Hello. Hi. Hey, Chanel, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Great, finally. <laughs> we find the time. That's fine. I'm good. How was your day? Um, it was it was great. I was confused this morning. Your Nakins was confused this morning. She thought that no we were supposed to talk like today. And I'm like, no, I'm talking to Patty today, but we talk tomorrow. And I, I think because you both had to reschedule around the same time last week. And oh. so I scheduled you for today and I scheduled her for tomorrow, but she thought that it was today. Yes. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Because yeah, I didn't know if you were on the East Coast. I, I've been interviewing people, and I mean, the longest time difference I've had is like 12 hours. And wow, that's a lot. Yeah, like I just interviewed somebody recently, and uh-huh. they were like in Singapore, you know. So, oh, wow. So, yeah, I mean, I I interviewed Lindy, Lindy Boats, and then I, she's 12 hours, and so was Tim Keeley, and yeah, so it's yeah. it's a lot of, you know, okay, are you six hours ahead of me? Are you seven hours? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, because I always have to, I like to do mine in the morning, like between 10 and 11. Uh-huh. But that's because certain people live in Europe. So it's either five hour difference, six hours, seven, eight. And you're like, yes. okay. <laughs> so, but we can yeah. start. Welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I like to um, introduce who's um, on my show. Everybody, this is um, Katina Doy. Um, she was a speaker at Women in Language um, last, in March, actually. March, yeah. Yes. I, it's May now, and I'm just like, oh my God. Time <laughs> <laughs> yes. flies. Um, so could you tell... Um, my listeners a little bit about yourself how you started like when was your first time you ever knew you wanted to you know learn languages work with languages travel so forth yeah definitely so um i've always been interested in learning languages uh the first time i was like my first attempt uh so i was born and raised in paris uh with uh a very deep Senegalese culture in-house. So my parents were talking to me in Wolof and I was like responding back, either mixing French and Wolof together to them. And I was very interested about traveling and learning new language since I was eight, I think. And I told to my dad one day, <clears throat> I want to become a globe trotter. You know, I wanted to travel the, the whole world. And my dad was like, thought I was a little bit crazy. So I asked him to to buy me uh, the map, and I started to learn all the capitals of different mm-hmm. countries, right? And I was fascinated by Indonesia. But unfortunately, I couldn't find any resources uh, back then, uh, any books to learn Basel Indonesian. So um, I had to, I said, I was like, like, well, I couldn't find it, so I started to learn English at school, primary school, um, secondary school too. And then um, I got introduced to Spanish 
I had some intense secondary school too. And then it was like I was willing to learn more because basically the way that we learn languages back then in France uh, was not that great. So when I was 15, I decided to uh, to go to Spain to a private school during summer to learn a language. And I loved it. Um, and then I went back when I was um, 18. And... Uh, It was it was great. I loved it, and since then I was like, "Is what I want to do. I want to go to different language schools and learn languages and travel at the same time." Because I've met people from a lot of countries, like U.S., Turkey, Iran, um, Eastern Europe. Uh, it was Brazil. It was I had a so much great experience over there. Then I was like, okay, this is it. I just want to do that for the rest of my life. And then I went back uh, to France, uh, finished the study, um, studied languages and, and, and economics um, in, uh, in France. So I was deeply, all the courses and classes that I had were taught either in English or Spanish. And I had this option of Mandarin. And then I followed up the, the Mandarin language. I uh, find a, I find um internship in in China. This is how I end up in China. And then same thing, love experience, love the people, meeting great people. And then I I went back and I was like, I want to also experience the Latin American um, mm -hmm. culture. And same thing, I had an uh, internship. In, in Mexico and for, for, for a couple of months too. And I was like loving it, but I didn't know exactly what to do with languages. So for when I was um, working in, in China, I was working helping the comp a Chinese company um, who um, would hire um, young professional to, uh, mm. to work in, um, in China. And when I was in, uh, in Mexico, I was working for a newspaper. So I was writing an article in Spanish uh, in, um, in, um, in tech about technology and everything. And back then, when I was there, it was like the first iPhone. So um, I wrote an article about uh, the first iPhone ever. I think. So it was a very great experience. And when I went back, I was like starting to look for jobs. And people are like, well, you can work for for tourism. But I was like, yes, but this is not really what I want. Or to be a flight attendant, I was like, not really. So I was still looking right. for myself, uh, what to do. And then um, continue studying, doing the master. So my first master was specialized in the Asian market. Uh, and then I did another one. Uh, another one, another master, more into like mm -hmm. digital marketing. And then it was like kind of a crisis in France. It was hard to find jobs. And then I was like, well, I need to go to another country. And then I, Canada was very popular back then. I think it's still popular. And then I just applied for a visa and I was like, I don't know anything, anybody in Canada. But let's go. And then I moved to, to Canada and I'm, I'm still here. 
six years later, later, I just love Toronto. It was not my first choice. I had a, I was thinking about mm-hmm. Calgary, right? But um, I had, I end up in, in Toronto and I love Toronto. I love the freedom of Toronto. People are very, the acceptance, the, the culture of Toronto, you can be whoever you want to be and nobody want, will judge you. This is the thing that I really, really enjoy and like in That's Toronto. awesome. Yeah, I, it's been 20 years since I've been to Toronto. I went for a senior trip in high school to Toronto and, uh, and oh. I had very little French and that was when they were using the little key card things to get in the door and they had stopped mm-hmm. using regular keys and I didn't know I had it mm-hmm. turned around and I used my broken French in order to ask for help because <laughs> he didn't speak English so <laughs> you know and um he helped me and I thanked them and I got my room. And, but I mean, I think, I think my highlight cool. of the whole trip was I went on top of the CN tower and, and, and I got to mm. Canada and I was like, I'm not afraid of heights or anything, but I had a friend that, that was afraid of heights. And I mean, literally she about had a panic attack and I didn't make the situation any better for her. I was like, you need to look at this. This is so amazing. And she was like, are you crazy? I was like, no, because it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. And um, yeah, it was it was an interesting um, time. I haven't been back since. I would love to go back once I get my passport, because now it's not the same as it was 20 years ago where you just had your social security card and your birth certificate. Yeah, what people told me was back then it was extremely easy to travel between the right, U.S. Now, and Canada. because of 9-11 and because of everything else that's going on um, internationally, mm-hmm. you have to um, have a passport. And and the fees mm. have gone up on those. And now, even in the U.S., it's um, as of next year, we have to have a special ID or driver's license if you're not military um, to get into federal buildings or even the fly in, um, you know, within the U.S. because of because of the large influx wow. of people coming from the border into the country illegally. So now we have to have special IDs. Okay. And I think some of it too might have to deal with um, that issue. And then, you know, people having identity theft problems too. So, yeah, I, okay. and I mean, a lot of people were not happy about this decision, but hey, Times change. I mean, it's it's even getting to the point where you have to have a passport to get into certain European countries as of 2021. Yes, a specific yeah. visa. Yeah. Exactly. Like, really? <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I Kennedy posted that up on uh, online. I was like, "Are you serious?" <laughs> wow. But I mean, it doesn't help. It doesn't help yeah. with what's going on politically and so I'm just like mm-hmm. okay I'm glad I'm learning languages and I'm meeting people from around the world because at this point we're going to need each other more now than ever <laughs> exactly so I when I decided to create this podcast um, I'll be celebrating my one year anniversary tomorrow 
Nice, happy birthday. Well, is it is it I don't believe in the in the fact that if you celebrate or if you say happy birthday before the day, I'll be it will be bad. That. I'm like, but really? you... oh well the Russians believe that you cannot say that to them beforehand. You have to say it on their day. Okay. I'll send you a message tomorrow too. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's... It's hilarious. I mean, there are things that they do that I, even I find to be very. I mean, I had to ask my friends in Russia, "Is this true? Is this true? Do you have to do this? Do you guys actually really do that?" And they're like, "Yeah." Um, some of that's just superstition. Not really. It depends on the person. But I, okay. I my friends have told me if you come to Russia, you don't have to drink every time somebody wants to give a toast. Because it's rude if you don't. Like, they like to do a lot of toasting at parties. And it's not like what Western Europe or, you know, the uh, U.S. or Canada would do. We would say something real quick and drink and that's it. No, it's like a long, outdrawn speech in Russian. So I'm yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so. But, um. Yeah, and to me, I've always wanted to learn languages, and um, I didn't get the chance to in high school and junior high. I didn't get to learn anything until I was 23 in college. Well, the school I went to, they their education system wasn't the greatest, and I, I actually went to public school for like seven years, eight years. And then uh, I went to a special school for the blind and visually impaired um, because I was being bullied very badly um, to the point where my life was being threatened. And so wow. um, the last straw was I turned 14 and someone had turned the water hose on me in North Carolina and soaked me to the bone and laughed about it like it was funny. And I went home soaked and wet. And my mother was like, "We this can't be. This 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 has to stop." Mm-hmm. And so, she kept me out of school for five months. And the truant officer came to the house, and it was terrible. And um, I went to the blind school, but you know, back then, um, I knew more than what I did leaving the school. Actually, I I was like at a tenth grade English level when I was thirteen because I read a lot mm-hmm. and. Um, as a result of that, um, they put me in modified classes. So I wasn't in regular mainstream classes. And they based everything off of how much readable vision you had. Now, it's a blind school. Mm-hmm. And this part was kind of a little, you know, frustrating for me. A lot of these kids didn't know how to spell. A lot of these kids didn't know how to write a paper. A lot of these kids didn't know basic math or history facts. But you were pushing them to do sports and everything was about sports or, you know, getting certain people into, you know, vocations where it was minimum wage. And, um, you know, cause they didn't think these kids would go to college. They didn't think I would go to college. And I, I wound up going to college and, and majoring in theater and, and going to film school and getting certified to teach English as a foreign language. And so, I mean, they had very little faith in certain people. 
And so, so it's supposed to be a blind school, but they're talking about you live in a print world. You need to know print. Well, if you don't know how to read and write and you're only using text to speech software, you're not using Braille at all for your reading. Even if you are partial and you have some readable vision, you still got to be able to spell. You still got to be able to read electronics and technology is going to break down at some point. And if you don't know how to do these things, it's going to Definitely. be for you to compete in the, you know, employable market, whether it's domestically or internationally. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I had to fight very hard to um, get the grading policies changed for people that were in modified clock because they would get unsatisfactory and satisfactory. It wasn't like they were getting A's, B's, C's, D's, and F's. And I said, these kids mm-hmm. aren't aren't stupid they just learn differently you know and exactly you know it's like one of those things where people want to get paid to do absolutely nothing and i (laughs) saw that then and i still see some of that today in the in the school system as a whole and someone just wrote on facebook should i enroll myself at the blind school and i was like are you crazy you might as well go to public school and you will learn a lot more i mean i became my own advocate for self-teaching because I had, to, I, I, mm. I had to teach myself a lot more than what the average person did in that school. And, yeah, I they mm. knew I was intelligent. They just didn't know how to teach me. So they just stuck me somewhere. And it was pretty pathetic. I mean, I did get stuff out of it, like, vocational-wise. I got to work off campus and work for certain companies and stuff. But I really wanted a real education. And so I'm really big on, you know, educating people about language learning from, you know, my perspective, using audio and tactile methods, non-visual methods, because you're not going to always have your site to rely on to be able to get whatever you want accomplished or to learn, um, you know, certain tasks, because at some point your vision will fail you. And if that's all you've ever relied upon and you forget that you have other senses to use, in order to get the job done, um, it's, it's a very sad and lonely thing to watch people go through, given the fact that sight loss is becoming yeah. more prevalent now due to glaucoma, retinitis pigmentosa, macular degeneration, levers, um, you know, war, combat. Um, you know, people are coming back either partially mm-hmm. blind or totally blind, and they have to restart their lives over, learn different skills how to cook, clean, you know, travel, every technology, so forth and so on. And a lot of people that are just born into the blindness community, whether you're partial or you're completely mm-hmm. blind, some people don't even learn Braille because it's just too expensive to teach people. Um, yes. Too expensive? They, they put wow. more value on text-to-speech than they do someone being literate. And like 10% of the blind population in the U.S. knows Braille, which is probably about nine or 10,000 people out of 1.3 million, which, oh which is pretty gosh. pathetic. But I mean, there are blind people out there that are totally blind that have jobs where it ranges from 60K to 100K because they're, you know, they know how to use a computer. They know... They're blind judges, doctors, lawyers, social workers, engineers, 
so forth and so on. And then, you know, they, technology hasn't improved, but it's still expensive to, to purchase. Um, thank God for off-the-shelf products such as Apple and Chromebooks and, you know, different tablets that have text-to-speech on it. But if you want access to Braille, you better cough up anywhere between 600 to 10K. Yeah. Because you're not going to be able to buy it otherwise. And or you might have to go through Vocational Services Rehabilitation Commission in order to be able to get the equipment you need. But it has to either be for home use or school or getting employment. And their version of employment doesn't necessarily mean a career. It means something like working in retail, like working at Target or Walmart or Marshalls or something, or working at a grocery store or something of that nature. A level entry job, which less than three months down the road, you're going to be let go from because they didn't collect their money from hiring you because you're disabled. So you get a tax, they get it. Most companies here in the U.S. get a tax write off for hiring people that are disabled. And some people work out and they're able to stay where they are. And some people don't. They collect their money and then they give some crazy excuse as to why they have to let you go. So they won't be sued for discrimination. And then it takes the person another 10 to 18 to 36 months to get another job. Because nobody wants to hire them because they either have too much experience or not enough. Yeah. And I mean, I know what that's like Ah. because I've spent the last six years trying to get work and still can't, even with my TEFL certification. So I just said, screw it. I'll do teaching another way. I'll, I'll start a podcast. I'll write a blog. I'll see if I can get endorsements, mm. you know, for my show. But I mean, I'm very proud of myself mm-hmm. because it took a lot of guts for me to start this. And I mean, friends like Chris Brown and Ollie Richards were encouraging me, keep doing it. Just keep going. You're going to get the, you're going to get more people to come mm-hmm. on your show, you know? And actually Jordan Naked said this the other yeah. day. She said, you know, the reason why people come on your show is because you're very informative. You're doing something that no one else is doing. You're very passionate about language learning. You try to help people whenever you can. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you're doing it on a no string budget. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh yeah, I have no budget. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. I mean, you know, (laughs) I, I have 67 people from 67 countries around the world that are listening to me. And it's one person per country. Like two people, two people in France, three people in Spain, and 87 people in the U.S. This one person in Canada is listening Mm -hmm. to me. That I know. But I mean, yes, I'm, I'm starting to get more people to describe and listen. That's good. And I just created my blog last week, so it'll be a week old come tomorrow. And um, Jordan Aikens would be episode 85, and I would have done 85 episodes Mm -hmm. in a year. So I'm quite happy about that. And I mean, I'm getting more and more people to come on. Like, I mean, and I'm patient because I understand that people have schedules. I mean, I got 
Stephen Crash and mm-hmm. Marsha. And like people That's like good. Steve Kaufman and Luca Lampriello and um Shannon Kennedy's coming back to talk about um uh, her uh, new job that she's doing and uh-huh. and her traveling all over the place. I, I've never seen someone travel uh-huh. as much as her, but she gets around. <laughs> she's in China uh-huh. right now, actually. And yeah, so oh wow. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've I've interviewed a lot of people: Richard Simcut, and Alex Rawlings, and and Ollie, and um, uh-huh. Jimmy Mello, and Kristen, and Lindsay, and Shannon, and Tetsu Young, and um. Yeah, so that's great. I'm very, I'm very happy about that for the most part. Like, everybody's been very kind and very helpful with my own language learning journey and questions. And, um, you know, I've even as of recently, I interviewed um, Carolyn Casper on Sunday, and we had a lovely conversation about sustainability and about, you know, um, language learning and she said something that made sense. She said, you know, I went to my first polyglot gathering like four years ago. And she said, I enjoyed it so much because mm-hmm. I realized how much I didn't know, how ignorant I was about a lot of things, how much of a hypocrite I was, how, you know, and she said, she's actually writing a blog post about hypocrisy and language learning. And I, yeah. Oh. And, and I said, you're wow. the first person to talk about that on this show. I mean, I've seen people who they want to keep it light and airy, but I always like going to the dark side of things too, because when you're a language learner, whether you're having a conversation, I don't know if you've had this happen to you, but where people decide, okay, I want to talk to this person on WhatsApp, you know, because they speak English. They can help me with my English. Well, it's twofold. If I help you with your English for 30 minutes, there has to be a trade-off. You know, it can't just be one side. Definitely. So I was speaking French, and mm-hmm. all I said was, um, Bonjour, uh, mon ami, comment allez-vous? Mon ami, aujourd'hui. Mm-hmm. Un, um, where was he from? Morocco. Um, Jimmy Pez Chanel. Just sweet African American. Très bien, merci. Pas vous, massage. And so, you know, I, I told him I wanted to help him and all this stuff. Then he says, Thank you for attempting mm-hmm. to speak French, but we're going to speak English only. Yeah. That's rude. And then I said, oh, no, we're going to speak both. He also knew Arabic, too. And I said, Mm -hmm. half an hour in English, half an hour in French, or I'm not doing it at all. Then he he went, I just, I kept speaking Mm. in French because I remember someone saying, you know, just keep speaking in the language. They'll get the point. So I did that, and he still was Mm. being a pain in the butt. So I just blocked him from my page my whatsapp because i 
just didn't mm-hmm. have time for it. I mean, I've had people where I spoke Spanish, and I spoke Spanish in college, and I was very good at it, minus I needed more vocabulary, but I was good at the grammar. So I turned around, mm-hmm. and someone from Ecuador was like, well, you speak Spanish too slow. I can't speak with you because you're visually impaired. So evidently people that are visually impaired and blind can't learn anything. And I was, just, I was so floored with that. I went off and cussed him out in Spanish, and he shut up after. <laughs> I was like, where are these, where do these people come from? I mean, because I've heard other people say, I have not had that problem, and then I've heard other people say they have. And I'm like, you wonder why people don't want to speak. Yeah. But I think it's also the, how can I say that? The fact that learning languages are becoming multilingual and polyglot is a trend now when you go on YouTube and you type even people who has not the, the funniest thing is the people who are not related to language languages being learned have are all doing a video about I can I speak seven languages and to say hi in, in or ten or in ten seven languages have like right. uh, 500 views 500 views right so the thing is that because now is a trend to learn languages people are coming into it not because they have the passion of the language just because they want to be and sound like well i can speak x amount of languages it's kind of a competition and i've seen that also when i've been to different polygon conferences you know, but also online ask you, what is that like um, i've not been the one well mainly because most people uh-huh. in the u.s if you're me someone like me who's on disability and gets one flat income every month you really can't afford to go to europe and, and i mean literally it would take me a year just to save up my passport i could do it in two uh-huh. months my flight it'd take about five uh-huh. Then I would have to see if somebody would want to room with me. Mm-hmm. You know, blah, blah, blah. Transportation, food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, right. So Accommodation. That's yeah. a lot, especially when you're on a fixed income of seven seventy one a month. So, like I mm. tell people all the time, it's not as easy as what people think. If you never, like, I've been as far as Canada. But I don't really count Canada because it's right next door. <laughs> you can pretty much walk over there. Please you know, do. I mean, I actually tell someone, I said, you know, if, if things start going crazy in this country, I'm, I'm going to apply for a job in Toronto. Oh! Well, yeah, yeah, go, come, come. Yeah, well, happy to have you, for sure. People that are blind that live in Canada. And they're like, Chanel, you need to come over here. I was because I have a background in theater mm-hmm. too, so it's not it's not like I wouldn't have mm-hmm. any employable skills to offer the Canadians. Trust me. I always tell people that you want to go somewhere, make sure you have employable skills. You don't want to be you, you don't yes, want to be a drain on their society. Trust me. So, but yeah, um, yeah I for me personally. Um, that's why I started this this show was to talk about these things because people were infuriated that you know 
well, how can they sit there and just talk to you like that? I'm like, because they, they're not educated about the different levels of blindness and they think you either can see or you can't. And that's not always the case. Um, and so I said, you know, if you've not been introduced to someone that has partial vision and that, you know, does think, I mean, because there are totally blind people that cook better than me. And, you know, there are people that know more about technology than I do. But at the same time, too, every blind person or every visually impaired person is their own individual person. So they do things, everyone does things differently. And, you know, I I know that, um, like Alex Rowling, when I interviewed him back in March, he said, keep, keep doing your show because, you know, no one really knows in the polyglot community what that's like. I mean, yes, there are people that have Asperger's, adult autism, ADHD, ADD, you know, invisible disabilities. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can clearly know that they have it because of yeah. their behavior and how they interact, yes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when it's someone that has partial vision, you know, people don't know how to interact. They tend to forget how to communicate. And I was like, well, I'm just like everybody else. I can close the bar down like everybody else. (laughs) I can do a lot of things, you know, like everybody else. The only thing I don't do is drive a car and read a newspaper. So there's public transportation. I have a guide dog. So I'm not really, Mm. you know, I just, I live my life. That's how I put it. I just live. I do the same things. I just adapt certain things. That's all. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. they, it's it's still a, a a concept for a lot of people. And I mean, like someone said, they went to a polyglot conference and they they pretty much realized that they were at home in their own little environment because you just had a whole bunch of highly uh, advanced geeks <laughs> who like to learn languages. And I said, okay, I'm sure some of these people like other things other than language learning. They have other hobbies on top of that. Two, two. Yeah, yeah. sure. And it was like, oh, you'd be surprised. You, it, it's, it's infectious. And I said, I can't wait to go. <laughs> I mean, I was excited to partake in the, the Women in Language Conference. I didn't even realize I was going to be picked for a lightning round to talk. So... I was I was quite mm-hmm. surprised by that. I just took a shot and wrote something and didn't mm. think about it afterwards. And then Kirsten emailed me and told me that I was chosen one of four people, and I was like, "Oh, cool." <laughs> so, but I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it because I got nice. to learn more than I didn't know, and I I got to meet more people and befriend more people that I didn't know anything about. Um, that were women. Because if you notice, the polyglot community is saturated with men. It's like cooking, you know, the chef. (laughs) I compare, I always compare, like, uh, the polyglot community to um, the cooking industry and chef. Most of the chef are men. Uh, And the polyglot community is the same thing. It's like, um, we have a lot of men, too. Um, And... That's why I really like um, <clears throat> what Lindsay and Kristen are doing, putting um, and showing 
and voicing up um, voices for women, which is great because it's, it's really oh, yes. needed. Um, obviously, obviously, all those men are highly qualified to be there. I'm not here to say or to put down and say that we should not have that much of men. It's not that. It's just that it's like the cooking industry. It's like this is how I was talking about it like a couple of weeks ago and um, to a close friend of mine. And she said, well, every time that I type something about languages, a talk or a book or whatever, I see men. So I don't see women. Where are they? We are here. But I think that we should, if I talk about my case, voice up more what we do and to do it more publicly. For years, um, even though when I started my blog in 2015, about African languages, I was like not ashamed, but I was extremely shy to share right. to share what I was doing because I was saying, "Oh, this is worthless." Kind of it is. I'm not talking about English, Spanish, Mandarin, but I'm talking about languages that maybe do not matter to people. And as soon as um, I got the chance to to voice up. My point of view saying that, well, that's great to learn uh, English, Spanish, Portuguese. I've learned them. But I also want to talk about those African languages that we don't saw. Like the first time I went is to the Polyglot Conference was in 2000, same year, 2015. Mm -hmm. It was in mm -hmm. Germany, in Berlin. And I was seeing like all people talking about Asian languages, learning European languages, like indigenous languages. And I, there was nobody there talking about African language. And I was like, well, what is happening? Is it because nobody is interested or nowhere, nobody has voiced up right. um, her or his voice? I was like, well, let me talk to the uh, organizers. And I started to talk and they were like, well, say, if you want to do something, yeah, we're more than happy to have you. And then I was like, okay. And this is how everything started. I started to basically the first goal for me was to 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 put those African languages out there to people who not are not aware mm -hmm. of what are African languages. And the reaction was great. People started to to be interested. A uh, teen donor, for example, was like, well, I learned your native language. I learned Wolof. And I was, like, so honored. I was like, yeah, sure. Um, but then I've seen, I started seeing people learning and learning more African languages. And for me, it was a big win. And um, and then I was like, okay, so what can I do now? I, I, I have this awareness stage where people are start. Mm -hmm learning or looking at uh, different uh, African languages. And I I was like debating myself, you know, this little voice that I, everybody has and people mm. like, oh, but you can have a living doing only that. And at the end I was like, well, you know what? It will take me time, obviously, but I'm extremely happy. Like what the, I was starting, I started blogging and then I started like, um, like vlogging, doing different things with the polyglot, and he, the the blog bring me so much um, connection. I met so many people who were interested by Africa, 
and also change my own perspective on how I should portray right. those languages too. Um, and not being like, you know, this uh, this strong advocate, well, you have to learn African languages, but more in the sense of the way that, well, this is the diversity of Africa. This is what is happening. And when mm -hmm. I saw the movie Wakanda and that character was talking Zosa and, other, and I was so happy that people were like, getting more and more interested right. about learning African languages because the continent is extremely okay. diverse. And finally this year, and I was like, well, I need to find a way to get people more interested about, there are more than 3,000 languages in Africa, which is right. huge, right? Um, and, um, and yeah, so I love doing it. And now I'm I'm pairing like, language and tourism and now people like they just love it so um there are many things to go for the polyglot and in the next couple of months and i'm uh, extremely happy well, about awesome. that yeah because i i found out recently that i have 40 percent bantu tribe in my heritage and mm. three two one and me DNA kit to see what what we had in our um, this is on my grandmother's side of the family my mother's mother and uh -huh. I was just so shocked by that I was like no wonder I like Africa I've liked Africa it's funny <laughs> this is how crazy this is I'm the only one in my family that speaks multiple languages um, uh -huh. but I'm the geek in the family so I I speak multiple languages and um, I've always loved history and culture and people. And I've always had a love affair with Africa ever since uh -huh. like, you know, Nelson Mandela, the whole apartheid situation and stuff that was going on in Ethiopia and all those people starving and the whole, yeah. So I've always, one of my favorite books and I can never find it. I don't even know where it's at. Like it's even in print. I um it was called Shabano's Wind, and I um I don't even remember the author, but I I read it a long time ago when I was like eleven, twelve years old, and it was like one of my favorite books. And I mean, I would watch anything I could get my hands on about Africa, um, and I said if I were to speak one of the languages, um, I would want to learn Swahili because it's a heritage language for me personally. So mm -hmm. I called a friend of mine up who works at innovative language learning.com and she told me pick all the languages I wanted. She'll give me like, you know, three months each free. And then she told me to download all the information uh -huh. onto the app per language. And after the subscription's over, I get all the all the information I downloaded, I get to keep. You know, and it'd be mine. So I did that. And I kind of went overboard, but <laughs> I, I Swahili was one of them. Hindi was another. Japanese, Cantonese, Thai, Turkish, French, Italian, and Egyptian Arabic were the ones that I mm -hmm. downloaded. And I said I will eventually get to Swahili because um, I found it to be a very beautiful language. I can help you okay. with that if you want. 
um, yeah, I because I learn by ear. So, yeah, yeah. I yeah. Learned, I I'm one of those people where I use the speak from day one approach plus um, immersion. Like I turn my entire house into mm-hmm. nothing but that language. So I try, I try to find as many resources wow. as I can auditorily, whether it's movies, you know, um, books. Um, unfortunately, I, I, my braille display doesn't read Swahili, but by, um, mm-hmm. I'm sure that there's blind people in West Africa. So I'm sure that there is a braille code somewhere. I just have to find it um, in order to become literate. Mm-hmm. But my whole goal would be like to speak like to mm-hmm. at least the B1. Um, so I said eventually I will get to that that goal because right now I'm focusing on my Italian, my Cantonese, and my Thai. And my goal is, and I have a mini goal mm-hmm. where I'm, I want to say a few things to Stu J. Raj and Ty during the interview. And then I want to say some things in Italian to Luca Lampriello, even though his English is like perfect. <laughs> but, um, you know, just for practice. Um, mm-hmm. My number one podcast right now is the interview I did with Alexa Polidoro of um, Learn French with Alexa YouTube channel and we talked and I spoke a little bit of French even though it was broken French I still spoke it and um, and I still got to get back with her because I got to make sure my French is up to at least a B1 so I can carry an entire interview in French she challenged me to do an interview in French Oh, that's good. I'm gonna have to talk to somebody. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, That's great. I I do like little mini goals like that. I spent six weeks with the Mango app using it for um, A1 level for um, Cantonese Mm -hmm. back in January. And I said, okay, I want to, my goal is Mm -hmm. to pick up the phone, have a small conversation in Cantonese, and order some food and get my telephone number and address. I did it in six weeks. And I was so happy. I was so happy about that. You know, and I tell people sometimes if you set a goal and it's a small goal, like I want to go to a restaurant Uh and order some Thai food. I'm going to do that next week. I'm going to learn how to say something in Thai to where I can order some food, have a small conversation. Even if I mess up, I'm at least trying to speak the language in public. Because I have mm-hmm. no fear to speak with anybody. I would go up to somebody and just start speaking. Whether the grammar is right or not, I, I get excited. That just gives me tons of motivation. And people are like, how the hell can you do that? I was like, well, I did it with someone that was speaking Russian and that knew Russian. They, and I started speaking to them like it was nothing. And they were like, they were kind of afraid to speak. They actually asked me, can we speak in English because it was rude to speak Russian in front of people that didn't speak their language. And I said, I'm surprised. You're, you're a Russian teacher and you're telling me that you don't want to speak Russian. Because other people don't. Really? Wow. That, wow. 
I was blown away by that. So, because I'm, yeah. I'm not afraid to speak. That's I will fun. speak. I, it's, it's <laughs> this is this is great that you say that you're not afraid. Um, because <clears throat> I, I've been working for a private Chinese school mm-hmm. in Toronto here, where I help uh, young immigrants. Um, to learn um, the two native, the two official language here mm-hmm. in Canada, French and English, mm-hmm. through technology. And the main fear is talking a new language, um, like and making mistakes. Which for me, this is what I teach to the kids. In order to learn a new language, you oh, yes. have to make mistakes. And something is like. Exactly. So it's good that you have yeah, that already. I mean, um, I, I'm okay with my French. I know if I if I put more time into speaking, I, my passive learning for French is really high. Like if I can understand Les Miserables in French, that says something. Um, if I can understand mm-hmm. the news and everything that's going on and them talking about Brett's and them talking about what's going on over here and I stopped watching American news altogether and I either listen to it in Italian, Russian or French at the moment so um, yeah and I actually had a breakthrough last week when I was listening to Ollie Richards um, speak Italian he did. He spoke in Italian for 14 minutes and I understood 95% of it and this was after just listening for like mm-hmm. almost two months and nothing about Italian. I mean, a little bit here, a little bit there. But it was just the point that I was I was doing that. And, I mean, literally, I just started crying because I couldn't believe that this had happened. And as a matter of fact, he just came out with a episode talking about that same scenario of, you know, you he listened to a whole bunch of Japanese. He read Japanese for 30 minutes a day for, like, a few months. Went to a Japanese event. And he was able to understand so much more just by doing that little bit of work than than just pouring hours and hours into something. So, you know, I I said, you know, I I love this community and what it does for people. I mean, it's changed my life in a lot of ways. So, I mean, I've met a lot of people as a result of that. And I'm very grateful um, for that. You know, I learn from everybody, and I'm sure there are people that learn from me um, in a lot of different ways. And I try to be as positive and realistic because, I mean, there are people that say that they want to learn a language in three months or they can become fluent in three months. And I said, okay, I don't know what planet you're on right now. Evidently, it's not Earth because depending on the language, depending on if you studied another language that's similar to the language you want to study, then I can say, maybe you might be able to get somewhere in three months, but you're just touching the surface at three months. Try a year and a half to two years if you want to get to a decent B2 level and something. Now, I think it depends on the language. I took, right. But it depends. if it's a romance language, okay, that's easy. You learn one romance language, it's not going to be difficult for the rest of them. Because a lot of them have shared vocabulary, shared alphabets. It's relatively not that. Now, it took me a while to train my brain 
to separate the languages in my head and not let them bleed over into each mm-hmm. other. So, but that took work and practice, and now I know how to do that. I can go from French to Italian, from Italian to Spanish, from Spanish to Russian, from Russian to this. And 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 mm-hmm. my vocabulary may be limited in one in one language, and it might be advanced in another language, but I'm still able to go without being uh, interrupted by another language. But that took time for me to develop my brain in that way to be able to do those things. And I said, I'd rather take my time with yeah. the language than to sit there and try to race. And I see a lot of people doing that on on social media. It's a trend. It's a trend. It's the trend. The trend right now is like to learn as many languages as you can uh, using uh, different apps, technology, whatever. But as you mentioned, is like people learning the, the language at the surface level. To be <clears throat> in my industry in education, if I want to, I do teach, I told you, um, uh, right. French and English, right? And I've to teach Spanish mm-hmm. since last year. But I had to demonstrate to the school that I have the ability not only to say, hola, como estas, but to be able to fully right. express myself in this language. Same thing, I also do teach online um, some African languages. So I do teach uh, Wolof, I do teach uh, some Swahili, but I have to have a certain level right. to be able to teach. Right. So, and that's, that's the, for me, that's just good. It's good to have those people making videos about uh, how to speak X languages, or you can be fluent in two months, three months, um, and be able to, but if you are willing to work in the language, you have right. to take right. time. It's not, it's to not something process. that you want to rush. And also it depends. There are people that want to read in the language. There are people that want to read and write. There are people that want to speak and listen and read. There are people that just want to do it because they're about to get married they need to be able to communicate with their in-laws. There are people that, okay, I need to use it for a job or I'm traveling for two weeks. So I just need a two level. Okay. You can get to that. Uh Give yourself about five months, six months. You can get to that. Especially if it's a romance or dramatic language. But if you want to go higher than that, I want to read newspapers. I want to read a book. I want to, I always tell people, listen to the language. Even if you don't know a word, start listening from the beginning. Start speaking from the beginning. Because, oh, also learn the alphabet so you can be able to spell, read, and write. Whether you're learning as someone that has sight or whether you're learning as someone that's visually impaired or totally blind, learn the alphabet. Learn your numbers. Learn your days of the weeks and months of the year. Those are very important. This week, next week, the week before, the week after, so forth and so on, the day after, all these words. Because you're going to need that. Now, do you need every color in the rainbow? No. Not yet. Um, (sighs) You know, do you need to know what the word is for drill or hammer? Are you using it right now? Not necessarily. You know. Okay, my living room, bedroom, bathroom, kitchen, 
if you have a basement, basement, backyard, front yard, neighborhood, next door neighbor, stuff like that. Yes. You know, you're going to want to know those things. I have a house, apartment. Okay, fine. A loft. Okay. But you don't need to know every single word. Not, not necessarily. Not at first. So, you know, um, but, you know, also find why you want to learn that language. And I always tell people to make sure you learn about the culture, how people interact with each other, what what's customary in that language, as far as the different roles between men and women. You know, if you're talking to someone who's older than you, you know, what how, how are you supposed to speak as opposed to with your friend? You know. Which is extremely important in most African languages is that we have a higher respect to um, right. elder people. Like even uh, Swahili, <clears throat> you will be very polite when you talk to elder right. comparing to your right. peers. Yeah, like here are. in the U.S. is miss, mister, ma'am, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, thank you, no, thank you, I'm sorry, excuse me. All those things. But, I mean, I even go as far as if I were to go in the country, what rules do I need to know about? You know, do I need to register with the police, like in Russia? You go to Russia, you have to register with the authorities. You know, um, you have to, you or you're the person you're renting from, they have to register, you know, because they have to keep track of all this because of all the terrorism and stuff that be going on over there. You know, so you have to have your visa and your passport on you at all times. They have passports for inside the country in Russia and outside. So they have two different passports. So, I mean, it's it's a lot for you to, you know, have to, to deal with. Um, you know, they take off their shoes when they come in the door. They leave them outside. They wear shoe covers when they go in the buildings and so not to track dirt and everything else. There are a lot of things that they do that a normal language person wouldn't have cared to know about. But for me, I always want to know those things because, you know, I look at it as, I don't know if I'm going to come up up against something. I need to be prepared for any type of scenario. Yeah. And I mean, most people, I just Mm -hmm. want to learn the language because I just want to. Okay, so how motivated are you really? You know, are you willing to go the long haul? You know, I know that Lydia Matova has been studying Swahili for almost a year now. And um, she actually shot some YouTube videos of her speaking Swahili using Asino. And, um, but I said, um, that's kind of cool, you know, that she wanted to learn Swahili. And, uh, Because she's from Slovakia. So, you know, I don't know too many people that speak Swahili in Slovakia. But but it's cool she wants to learn. I I think it's awesome. I did have the opportunity to interview her at the beginning of this year, which was a lot of fun. And that was when she had just, her TED Talk had came out the day after I had interviewed her. And um, it was was a nice conversation we had. And um, but she was really passionate about, you know, learning her languages. And she even said the same thing. You have to take your time with learning because 
you know, it's going to take, she's spent two years on each language that she learned, you know, because she said she wanted to master them. She wanted to be C1 in all her languages. She wasn't fooling around. And she said she wasn't going to do that. She wasn't going to put all that time into learning something and then, you know, not take it seriously. And I, I was like, I definitely understand. That's mm-hmm. why I say I always like to shoot a goal. You know, you don't necessarily have to be C1 in every language you speak. Just like, okay, let's say, for instance, I want to be A2 in something. That's fine. So I'm A2. You know, if that's comfortable for me and that's all I want to go with it, then that's okay. But, I mean, I wouldn't mind being B1 in most of my languages because at least I know I wouldn't forget them by that point. So, so if I put nine months to a year mm-hmm. in each language, that would that would mean something to me, um, for the most part, because we have a large international community here in um, Akron, and so we have a lot of people from Africa, Cambodia, and Somalia, and people who speak Swahili and French, and people from um, Nepal and Myanmar and Iraq, Yemen. Um, Western Europe, Eastern Europe in particular, Serbia and Ukraine and Russia and yeah, Turkey. And I learned a little bit of Turkish Um, just because I'm a history buff. So I like learning about like the Ottoman Empire and because my education was so poor. um, You know, I look look at this as my independent university of learning. So every time I learned something knew about someone else's language or someone else's culture, you know, I want to know the history from it, you know, how this started and, Mm -hmm. you know, and then too, depending on the fact that I like movies. So I want to learn Hindi because I want to be able to speak to people in Hindi because we have a Hindi, um, a large Hindi community here. And so they're actually teaching people Mm -hmm. free Hindi. Hindi for free. Yeah. So, and wow. two, I want to watch Bollywood movies. That's another reason. So, you know, I, I make it specific as to each mm-hmm. language why I want to learn it for. You know, and, and a lot of it's cultural mm-hmm. reasons. Like, I want to watch movies. I want to be able to cook in that language. I want to be able to um, read magazines, fashion magazines. I want to be able to read Harry Potter in that language or some book I've read in English or learn about a different author from that country that you know, particular genre, like I like history, but I also like memoirs and biographies and romances, you know, fantasy books, stuff like that. So if I can find someone Mm -hmm. new to listen to, you know, in that book, I mean, in that language, that's kind of cool. And Japanese, you know, I want to watch, you know, certain anime and I want to watch like The Grudge and The Ring and Japanese and Japanese horror movies and stuff. So, I mean, that's my reason for Japanese. And I just find it to be a kick-ass language. But, um, you know, and then go to a Japanese restaurant, order some food. It's just simple stuff. Stuff that I do in English, I want to be able to do it in the languages that I'm with. That's pretty much how I, I sum it up for me as a language learner. And, and then I like to share, like, the stories of other people on my show. Um, you know, and I mean, I, I never thought 160 people would be listening to me weekly. You know, I just, I never thought that, you know, one person. Yeah. 
160. I mean, a lot of people don't see them as a lot of people, but for me, you know, being someone that, that, you know, has a vision issue, um, you know, who started a podcast that knew nothing about editing. I still don't know anything about editing. Um, you know, to create a podcast and be able to interview people from around the world about their lives and their language learning and, you know, why, what drives them to do it every day, um, you know, and share it with the world. That means something to me. You know, if it can change somebody's life for the better, I'm, I'm all for it. Like right now in Uganda, I have a friend who is, um, he, he just started a school for people that are disabled and they have all kinds of disabilities, but they also have vision disability as well. And um, he wanted me to come to Uganda and teach. And I said, well, unfortunately, I don't have the funding. I don't have, I, I mean, I will have to be paid more than 10K a year. You know, because he thought 10K was a lot of money. Well, if you're a third world country, yes, that is a lot of money. But 10K in the U.S. is under the poverty line. You know, so um, I'm making that now on... SSI here in the U.S. disability. So, yeah, um, personally, yeah, I would rather, um, you know, be able to make more money teaching people, especially if you're still trying mm-hmm. to find funding and you can't find funding yourself. You know, and I guess the, the rules are different. Mm-hmm. You have to be certified in everything that you do, or you could be, you know, fined for it, arrested. I'm like, um, I'm, thank you for the invitation, but I, I won't be coming to Uganda anytime. But the his teachers love my podcast. So I'm very happy about that. And they're able to listen to my podcast. And and I got to let him know that I um, have a blog now that they can read. You know, um, so on WordPress. So, um yeah, I'm starting small. I do want to start my own meetup group this summer, though, and uh, and see and see how many nice. people. I mean, I'm not going to pick a particular language because I don't see what the point is. You know, whatever you want to speak, if I speak it, you know, that's fine. That's fine. But just to get mm-hmm. people, because there's so many people that want to, you know, speak certain languages, and I said, well, I'd rather keep it open, end it, because you just don't know. You know, and there's such a large mm-hmm. um, people from West Africa, Egypt, Morocco, you know, the Middle East, they're all coming to Akron. And it's like, I'm, I'm just falling in love with the whole experience of, of being able to talk to people, even if it's a little bit of Arabic, a little bit of French here, a little bit of this, you know, and it's just, mm-hmm. uh, you know, people are like, well, why don't you come to Europe? money that's a factor <laughs> you know I was like I don't have money yet I haven't made money yet so um but yeah people are, are happy that I, I finally came out with a blog and I, I was just curious because I'm new to this that's- blogging thing any advice <laughs> well you have the first advice well it depends um me I tried it's nice, but it's not the format that I enjoy the most. <clears throat> so I stopped. But you have to be consistent. So now I do blog 
on LinkedIn, but not on my website. Um, but I'm more into more about in, mm-hmm. into videos. So I would like to mm-hmm. I, I start next year by starting to hearing people in French because there is a lack of podcasts in, in, in French. We have we do have a lot of podcasts in, in English, but not a very few French. So what I will um, do one regarding oh, education and technology. I will subscribe to it. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, I would like to have you on a show on how um, education should be better by using technology for disabled people. So definitely, yes, I would love to have you um, on my podcast. <laughs> um, but yes, so um, the thing is that you have to enjoy and to be consistent. That's the only two things that I have to get ahead of that, that well, I can tell I, you I know about that I have so much that I want to say. Um, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I, I read, well, of course, I've been reading like Donovan Nuggles' blog, Luca, and um, Ollie, of course, which is one of my language heroes, uh, along with, um, I read um, Lindsay and Shannon and Kirsten, and who else did I read? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, Chris Broholm, which is a really good friend of mine, and I you know, it's funny because him and Ollie were the first two people along with Moses and Steve Kaufman and, and a few others that I found. And then, like, in late 2016, I found um, Lindsay and um, Kirsten on online. And uh-huh. I started listening and communicating and following them. And I was like, dude, I like these girls. They're, like, down to earth. Um, and they know what they're talking about. Uh-huh. And they've been very, very helpful yeah. to me personally. Um, so I, and I'm very, and I love Shannon Kennedy. She's just amazing. Like we talk about food and cause I love food. So my Italian, I have a little Italian project for myself. I'm going to read all three of the Hunger Games in Italian. And cause I, I, I mm. bought them. Wow. So I can just have voiceover read them to me or I can just look at my Braille display and read them from my braille display it'll take me a minute because i'm kind of slow with reading on my braille display um because a lot of braille is not produced um in other languages now it is in spanish because in the u.s you know el espanol idioma uh, esta muy importante idioma aprender y saber y es um Escuchar a el tiempo, entonces. Um, so, yeah, yeah, Spanish is big. Yeah, yeah. Spanish so, is big in the US. I, mean, I, I, I learned it 18 years ago, just by ear. A lot of exposure to tutors. I, I spent like 12 and a half mm-hmm. hours a week. Two, I mean, 10 hours was just with a tutor. And then, and but see, I was better with wow. the grammar. And then I, I, I lived with a Mexican family for 10 months in California. And my listening comprehension became so much more richer because that's all I heard all day. They spoke English to me. They spoke uh. Spanish to themselves, but I still understood everything they were saying, even when they were talking about me. 
So, but the cool thing is I know I'm fluent in speaking it because I spoke with somebody for two hours and I might have forgotten certain vocabulary, but I was able to compensate with other words and replace them, the words I didn't remember. And the guy was like, you're mm-hmm. fluent in speaking Spanish. And we were talking in Colombia and he was from Colombia and I spoke to this one girl for two hours in Spanish. Now I will say I had a headache after it was over for like two hours. It took two hours for me to come down from the headache. But when I was speaking for two hours with my friend's mother in Russia, because she doesn't speak any English, I knew I was fluent after three years of doing nothing but listening and speaking for three years. Because I was Mm -hmm. able to use the words that I knew, plus more new words that came up while I was speaking. And I made her laugh in Russian and yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, she made me a part of the family after that. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and and that's why I say you should always take your time and enjoy the process. And it's a journey, not a race. Um, you know. Exactly. Right? And I said, I really love, I love people. I love communicating with people. So, you know, um, I had planned on um, eventually getting, um, I wanted to try out Ollie Richards' um, one of his uncovered courses. I wasn't going to do it for the romance languages. I was going to either do it for um, Japanese or uh, Japanese or um, mm-hmm. Arabic. I might do it for Japanese though. Mm. Um, mainly because he okay. does speak very good Japanese. I think he's at like a B2. And uh, mm-hmm. so like if you get his course, which is 297 US dollars, which isn't bad. But if you buy it the week of when he launches it, then you get all these bonus freebies and stuff. You get like $500 worth of coaching time with him for three months. And so nice. I, I had the opportunity to interview him in October. So I'm always, as you know, I'm always talking about him 24-7. <laughs> and I think the reason why is because he's one of those polyglots that is a content coordinator creator who looks at the whole picture a lot of people they're not Uh creating their content to be accessible for people with with visual disabilities and and not everybody can read Uh a pdf file so when i ask can this be put in a txt file or a rich text format file for someone that has a mac like me um or can you add audio to your stuff you know I'm not just saying that for myself. I'm saying that for a large group of people that have difficulties navigating a PDF file, like my good friend Robert McPherson of kumabrand.com. He sent me uh-huh. his book, How to Maintain a Language, and it was PDF. It took me hours, but I figured it out. Uh-huh. I had to download it onto Safari. And then I had to have voiceover read it to me because I couldn't put it in the books file mm-hmm. folder of my iPhone. Mm-hmm. So, and it was mm-hmm. too large to download, to put it into a email in order for me to be able to upload it to, I, you know, the books file because they stopped doing the I part. They just do books now for, for the iPhone. And so... But if someone sent me that 
in I, in an email and I was able to download it and I was able to put it in my books file. I could re- read it from my my phone or my tablet and I can hook my display up to it and I can read it as long as it's in a language that's supported on my display. So, uh. but the cool thing is, is that um, now I do have the Swahili keyboard for my iPhone. But I don't think there's a voice yet for Swahili as of yet for voiceover. Um, but aside from that, I uh-huh. would be able to write in it once I learned the alphabet. Um, so that wouldn't be so bad. Uh-huh. But I, I would still have to go in the Braille World Braille Usage Book and find the Swahili um, Braille code because there's no braille code for Swahili on my device. So, um, but I mean, I have Turkish and Swedish and Danish and Norwegian, Polish and Russian, um, Japanese, Chinese, Arabic. And then, of course, you know, the Romance languages and Dutch and German there too. So, yeah, I mean, I have those. Uh, it's like 17 different languages I can read from in Braille. But I would have to know the Braille code anyway. And I, I have to let people know, uh-huh. disclaimer right here, I don't know every Braille code in the world. <laughs> I know how to read in American English, Unified English Braille, Spanish, Dutch, Italian, Russian, French. So, but that's, that's because the, the alphabets are similar. They're all Latin based. And it mm-hmm. wouldn't be difficult. Once I learned the alphabet and once I learned the, um, you know, the, the verbs and, and all the grammar, it's not that difficult to be able to read. Um, but like I said, it's difficult to produce this type of stuff in um, Braille because it is expensive. So let's say you have a, a, a textbook. And it's 80 columns long. You cut that one page in half. That's two Braille pages for one print page. So it takes up a lot of space, mm-hmm. a lot of room. Let's say you had Game of Thrones, the first book. In Braille, it's 11 books. Because it's 800 pages. So instead of buying the hard wow. copy book, go buy the digital copy. Get a Braille display if you can. Mm-hmm. And read it from your display in whatever language it is you want and you'll be good Mm -hmm. to go on that end but a lot of people don't want to make their sites accessible with screen readers so like I'll go to someone's site I can't even like interact with their form fields in order to fill out information whether it's a bluetooth keyboard or whether it's a braille keyboard and and that can be very uh-huh. cumbersome for people who have low vision or no vision at all. And that's why we talk about 100% accessibility on the World Wide Web. Because, you know, people talk about, I want to build my website. I was like, you want to build your website, but you're not looking at that there are people that can't see who use technology to be able to navigate a computer. And they probably know more about how to use a computer better than the average sighted person. 
because they can take it apart, put it back together by feel. And I know people that have done this. I'm not one of them. So, look, if I can barely edit, if at all, actually, I can't edit at all. Let's just be honest. But uh, if I could teach myself how to do a podcast, if I can teach myself how to set up a blog site just for a blog, we're not talking about putting plugins or anything else yet, then you see what I'm saying? Um, I, mm-hmm. yeah, that that's, speaks volumes even for me, you know, because I'm not the most technical person on the Facebook market. I use it when I need it for, but I'm more, mm-hmm. am, I'm more, I like the iPhone and the tablet better than sitting down at a computer. So that's the type of person yeah. I am. I like to be on the go and have everything be more micro instead of macro. Because uh-huh. if you ever have to pick up a move, uh-huh. I'm not taking tons of crap that I don't need. So, but, you know, I, I enjoy, um, you know, the process of, of learning new things. And I mean, I, I didn't know if I was going to write a blog. Now I'm kind of excited about it. You know, I mean, yes, I do have to tell people when I dictate, beware. I'm using Siri. Siri doesn't always work 100% of the time with voiceover. And I mean, literally, you have to yell at it in order for it to say what you. you Okay, I didn't even know that. Okay. I mean, I have a lot of spelling errors and it's not because I want them there. I literally have to like erase it. Mm -hmm. Start over like three or four times Mm -hmm. before the what I wanted to say comes out the way that I wanted to say it without any errors. I mean, it's crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so, you know, yeah, people have know. had to say to other people, well, she is educated. She's using text to speech, you know, and they don't, well, how can she learn a language if she can't see very well? Well, I'm not totally blind. I was born partial. So there's a difference. I might not be able to read a newspaper. Mm-hmm. Or drive a car, but I know what a newspaper looks like. I see the bigger picture, not the smaller yeah. picture. And so, I mean, I can watch Game of Thrones on TV mm-hmm. and tell you what's going on, except last week's episode. That I don't, I don't know if you watch Game of Thrones. Okay. No, I think I'm part of the two percent of the population who don't follow Game of Thrones. <laughs> it's it, for me, it's a bit too violent. No, no, no. It's, it's great. From what I heard, it's, oh, it's, it's a great oh show. And I don't know. But way too violent you know, for me. Uh-uh, at no. first, I didn't think I was going to like it. And then I just binge watched the first two seasons. And then I bought them on digital. And I just kept going after that. And now I'm at the point where we're down to three episodes left in the whole series. And I'm just like, oh my God, who's going to die? You know? I'm actually trying to get George R.R. Martin on my show to talk about Giraffe and High Valyrian language and how he created it for his book. Oh, yeah, yeah, because right. And I mean, I wouldn't mind getting the person who wrote the Giraffe and High Valyrian language for the show to come on my show, um, just because that would be kind of cool. Um, you know, I mean, language. Because someone said, well, language just doesn't mean spoken. And I said, well, you're right. There's also computer language like coding and so Mm -hmm. forth. But I think 90% of the target people that I'm talking to are 
people who want to speak something, even if it's a few words, a few phrases, you know, something. I mean, even if you know that little bit, you know more than what you did before. Which is, you know, a whole yeah. other eye-opener. And the fact that people embrace you to learn their language. I mean, there are people out there that really do. I mean, yes, you, you will have some people that mm-hmm. are just difficult. And you can stay away from them. I advise that highly, actually. Um, and don't take it personal. Because it's not you, it's them. But, I mean, I've had to learn that over the past four years. Not to take certain things personally. Because, you know, when you have a, a disability, not everyone's going to treat you kindly. And people are going to shun you. Mm. And people are going to have very negative misconceptions that aren't, that aren't cool. So, yeah. you know, I, I always say, look, what, what we have in common unites us. And, um, you know, we, there's too much division in the world. We need more more people coming together you know so exactly if if this helps somebody out here you know let me know send me a message because you know people are like i love your show i mean it's awesome and i was like well thank you you know um but for me personally it, it it gives me a lot of joy to be able to create content even in an audio way to to help people mm-hmm. you know i mean because i'm sure people can understand what that's like you know to be frustrated about okay i didn't learn this grammar table today oh well there's tomorrow you know don't beat yourself up yeah you know and i see a lot of that yeah people are beating themselves up because they think they need to be the next luca lampriello or alec Rowling. i'm like do you understand these people took took them time to, to get to where they are? It didn't happen overnight. I mean, Lucas has been doing this since he was yes. 10. And he's going to be 39. So, yeah. you know, I, yeah. I said, you know, yeah. So, I'm just curious, do you have any, in the last few minutes, do you have any closing um, words for the, the listeners out there? Yes. So, uh, first of all, I'm very honored to uh, to have been invited to your show, to your podcast, um, to talk about um, the subject about languages, but also knowing more about your story and how was your journey. Thank you for inviting me to tell a bit oh, about me, what I do. Um, with the, with the languages and technology. Um, I've every people who wanna everybody who wanna learn know more about African languages, I highly encourage them to go on my Facebook page, La Polyglot. Um I'm trying to um reach more people uh to uh to like and to be interested about African languages. I'm also coming up soon with um an ebook for people to learn Wolof or Swahili. I will be for Kwanzaa. I don't know if you know Kwanzaa. Kwanzaa is like um, a main celebration for Afro-African-American oh, yeah. in December. It's like seven days. Or... Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'll, I'll come up with uh, with two books, one in, in, 
Wolof and one in Swahili. So how to learn this, those two languages if you plan to travel um, to Africa where those languages are spoken. So things are coming up for the polyglots and, um, and uh, a podcast in French, as I told you, on uh, uh, October, uh, talking and interviewing people who are working either in education and also in technology. So I will interview those different people and I would love to have That'd you too awesome. in my show. You have to let me know when. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the the premiere will be October oh, awesome. 25. <clears throat> but um, like I will let you know. So I will share information on the, on the polyglot, but also on my Facebook page. So people can follow me for African languages on the polyglot, or they can register on the website lapolyglot.co. And they can also follow me on Instagram for my full name, Harin Doi, and have further information on uh, the podcast coming up in oh, en français. Incredible. That's going to be awesome. Well, I was going to say, I would love to read your, your Swahili book. The only problem is I don't know Swahili yet. <laughs> I know, but this is the thing. You will be able, is a book to help people to learn either Swahili or Wolof. So it will be, it will have a reading and audio part, which for me is, those are essential. And that's the right. thing that we do not have right. for language book. We have, I've bought language books for, for years now, and that's good. We have the book and everything, some exercise, but we don't have audio and we cannot learn oh, language oh, if we yeah, don't have audio. I so that, I will um, have audio. McPherson says he's going to do the same thing. Because um, he was like, I love talking to you back in December because it just geared me up to realize we need to be helping out the disabled population because I'm sorry. You know, no. I was. It's okay. I was. Wait a minute. We were. I was sitting there and it just decided to cut off. <laughs> uh. Which is. It, that, thank God it didn't do it as many times as it did when I was talking to um, Andy Roberts. It, it did it like seven times in one, like 32 minutes. I'm like, oh no. So we decided to record the whole thing over again like in June after he finishes the At One Challenge. But uh, I was saying, yeah, that um, Robin McPherson wants to create um, stuff for people who are blind and visually impaired, make ebooks. Because he understands after me telling him, I was like, oh yeah, this is what's going on. And, yeah. and with, the, with the audio too. And and all he said that he was willing to put his stuff in different formats too. So mm -hmm. when people buy it, you know, because he does the the he does his by story. So he'll okay. he'll create a story to mm -hmm. teach the language to people. You know, so you'll be able to read the text and listen along at the same time. That's nice. Uh, but all of it's in PDF. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, so that's kind of hard. I mean, I would have to sit there and be on Safari all day if I were to do this <laughs> course. And I said, well, could you put this in a rich text format in a TXT? Because the TXT would be for Windows people and the rich text format would be for people that got iOS uh. devices and Macs. 
Uh-huh. And so I said, that would make some sense. And so uh-huh. I, I suggested it. And he said, I'll take that up under consideration. I'll, you know, when I'm creating future stuff, I'll, I'll consider that because I understand you can't read that. And I'm sure somebody else who couldn't see very well would be able to read that either. But I will say his site is 100% accessibility compliant. So I can uh-huh. sit there and I can go on his site and I can navigate through his site, buy stuff or whatever, and it's fully accessible. But there are people where they built their own website and didn't put the right plugins in and you couldn't, like, you tried to put the cursor on a certain link or something and the daggone page would move. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, ah, your site looks cool, but it's not built correctly. So mm-hmm. that's another thing that I am really big on promoting and educating people on. And I even went as far as to ask the organizers of all three of the the conferences, would they mm-hmm. be willing to stream their conferences for people that couldn't come? You know, they could listen to it. You know, yeah. Because there, a lot of people can't make it to Japan or make it to this place or that place. They just don't yeah. have the funds. But they still want to partake and listen in on what's going on. You actually get more out of it, whether people Mm -hmm. realize it or not. And so I I do, I also do believe, sorry to talk to you, I also do believe that uh, the future of education will be through technology. Right. The future of conferences and everything. So um, it's important to have those options. Right. As you said, for people who are not able to to commute over there, to, to fly there, is, is, is a lot of money, right? Oh, my but God, yeah. People who are disabled, I don't know how much money will we cost you to go to Japan, for example. Oh, my God, over 1K just to go. We ain't talking about hotels. We're not talking about food or transportation. We're not talking about souvenirs. We're not talking about nothing. Hmm. Be lucky to spend about 2K if you're lucky. Yeah. And if you so. have $2,000, I mean, just to travel and to go from here to Florida, um, if you buy it at the right time, I think the lowest you can get is probably two fifty. The highest is probably about four fifty, round trip. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so, like, I was talking to Shahida Foster on last month when I interviewed her, and she was saying uh-huh. she said I work for the airlines, and it depends on when you go, what time of the year. I was like, yes, but if yeah. you're someone that's disabled and you want, hello, yeah. Yeah, I, I was like, you know what? If this thing decides to cut out again, I might as well as quick as possible, just in case. Yes, I know, I know. That's why I was, I'm was. i also on my way to uh, out soon. So, yeah, I just messaged you. Yeah. So, yeah, we were wrapping up about technology and language learning and how mm-hmm. the education system's going to be more online. And I noticed that. Definitely. A lot more people are, are learning everything online now. The last, the last sector, the last field, who hasn't been disrupted yet, as education, music has been disrupted. Um, Fifteen years ago, twenty years ago, we're still buying CDs and uh, and disc, right? Right. Um, now they're streaming. Servicing, yeah, and services like have been disrupted with technology, and I think now one of the last one will be education. Oh, so. Yeah. People- will spend less and less time in a classroom. Exactly. Or we will have to implement 
different technology into the classroom right. um, for students. Right. To because technology will be part of their the new next like, 15, 20 years jobs that are not yet here yet. And we have right. to prepare them for that, right? So it is it's what I'm I've been doing for the last three to four years now. Which is great. Thanks. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for coming on the show. And to everybody else out there, thank you for listening. Thank you for the people that subscribe. Thank you um, to my sponsor, uh, Flipboard.com. Um, I appreciate you guys for sponsoring me since December. Thank you. Um, and remember, everybody, language learning is a journey, not a race. Enjoy the process. And I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And I will see you guys in the next episode of Chanel's Language Learning Journey podcast. Um, au revoir, Caddy. Yeah, au revoir. À bientôt. Enjante. Mon Enjante. <laughs> Bye. Merci beaucoup. Bye-bye.